Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode 22, we sit down with Rita Sabuni, who is a director with Energetics. They're a global energy consulting firm. Really enjoyed hearing about Rita's background and perspective on the renewable energy and building efficiency industries. He does a he really does bring a, a different viewpoint that we haven't heard yet on this podcast, both from his role in research and development, and also from a global or international perspective, something that I was personally interested in finding out more about. So I believe you'll appreciate his insight there as well. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we do think that you're really going to enjoy this episode. So let's drop in. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Rita Sabuni, who is the director uh, with Energetics. Rita, welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, I'm excited to have you on for a couple of reasons. One, of course, to hear your perspective and our audience to hear about your background. But I think you're going to be the first guest that's going to bring an international or global perspective to the energy services, building efficiency discussion. So I think our audience will get a lot of value out of that. But before we do that, before we get into that part of it, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got started in the industry? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll take it back as far as you could take it. Um, I, I was I was born and raised in California. Um, my parents actually both immigrated from, from Syria. Uh, so, you know, my, my early years were really in California, but actually I did live abroad. I lived overseas uh, in my high school years and went to a, an American international school, um, did my SATs and all that good stuff. Eventually came, came back to California. Um, I went to UC Davis, uh, University of California, Davis, got my bachelor's in electrical engineering, and then got my master's degree from University of California, Santa Barbara. So, you know, that was kind of growing up in, in my education. Um, how I started with the industry. Uh, so it really goes back, I would say, to grad school. Um, I was in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, I didn't have quite a sense of what I wanted to do. Uh, I was actually in the PhD program at that time. Uh, and I got the opportunity to teach a class. Right? So I taught a class and it basically not only teach a class, but design it from scratch. So we basically worked the beginning part of the year designing this, this course, and it was all about green energy. It was green energy, technology, history, and, and policy, and the politics of it all. Um, and we eventually taught that class to about 20 undergraduate students um, in the spring semester. Oh, very cool. So that was kind of my, my jumping off point. You know, I basically taught that class, and, and I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do as a career. And so I, uh, you know, started with, with energetics, uh, uh, you know, Basically, that later that year, um, uh, you know, knowing that I wanted to be in clean energy, so I started as an energy analyst with with Energetics, uh, which is you know I'm still with them till today. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's awesome. And I was just thinking, like in academia, and I'm not really tied into that world. Uh, my wife is; she's getting her her PhD in, in clinical psychology. So I, I see the academic world from from the periphery here. But is it uncommon or common to create your own course? That almost sounds like entrepreneurial and maybe universities need more of that. 
We really do. No, it's totally uncommon. It really yeah. was kind of a special situation. So the, what really happened was, uh, you know, a professor at University of California, Santa Barbara, applied for a grant from NSF, the National Science Foundation, and they got this grant to teach this kind of experimental class. So it was definitely not like any other class that the university offered. Um, so we designed it from scratch, like I mentioned, but it not only had lectures, it had lab components. So I basically led the design of a solar PV lab uh, and an LED lighting lab. So like we simulated bird bird poop <laughs> using uh, toothpaste, right? We would put toothpaste on the solar panels and that's simulating, you know, you have bird droppings, you know, that, that impacts the, the performance of PV panels. We'd be measuring IV characteristics of your LEDs, your solar. Um, you know, I remember the, the class uh, I taught about like Thomas Edison, right? We were looking at the history of lighting. And so Thomas Edison, he's, He's developing his light bulb early on. And, and, you know, it's just fascinating because he tried everything he could as the filament of, of, of the bulb at that time. So he tried platinum, titanium, uh, you know, tungsten, the things you would usually think of. But he also tried things like coconut hair, cedar shavings, fish line, cork, he even tried the red beard of his lab assistant to see what would work best and kind of the characteristics um, he ended up with, um, I don't know if you know, but it was actually carbonized bamboo. Carbonized bamboo is what initially worked best for that first bi uh, light bulb. He tried 6,000 species of, of bamboo, finally found a species in Japan that worked best. And, uh, you know, eventually he just persevered and, and made it work through a lot of trial and error. Um, and just there's a lot of lessons there. And it was a really fun class to teach. Yeah. I don't I don't think I did not know that. And I would doubt if most listeners um, did as, as well. So uh, Fun at, the fact. Very, <laughs> at the very least, right, we all learned something today. So uh, thank you for sharing that. So, all right, so you, you brought us up to speed. You've been with energetics for, I think, how long? 12 years or so? It's almost 12 years. It'll be 12, almost, 12 years next month. Yeah. OK, kind of progressed within the company, you know, just just from what I'm familiar with energetics, a large energy consulting firm, you know, multiple different divisions. But, you know, if you could give us a cursory view of energetics, who you guys are, and then maybe the, the team or the discipline that you're focused on here today. Sure. Yeah. So energetics, we've, we've been around for for 40 plus years. So the way we started was U.S. Department of Energy had just started as a government agency. And so, you know, our founders had, you know, a few, few engineers, they basically started the company to best support uh, DOE, the U.S. Department of Energy. Um, and so since then, we've basically progressed. We really just focus on uh, clean energy, right? That, that's our bread and butter. Um, we try not to venture too far out of that space. Um, and uh, so DOE is still our biggest client today. Um, we do a lot of work supporting DOE, uh, especially the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy. So that's basically all your offices. It, you know, it's everything from solar, uh, building technologies, advanced manufacturing, vehicle technologies, um, even FEM. So that's a federal energy management program. I think some of your listeners may be most familiar with that. Um, sure. Yeah. So we do a lot of work across all of those um, offices. We also do work for fossil energy, even for energy information administration. So that's basically the office where all our national energy statistics uh, are, are, are uh, developed and built up. Um, so yeah, a lot of work on the federal space, a lot of work in, in terms of other, other governments, right? So we do work for NIST, National Institutes of Standards and Technology, do a lot of work for, uh, NYSERDA, that's a New York, uh, state agency for energy research, the California Energy Commission in California. Um, and really the third bucket, I would say of the kind of work we do is 
is with major, you know, U.S. utilities, trade associations. It's kind of more private sector. Um, and then also since, you know, the last few years, we opened up an office in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, UAE. We've now been doing some, uh, some work as well with, uh, you know, foreign uh, energy agencies as well, kind of helping them to uh, develop their clean energy strategies and programs. And what do you specialize in? So on my side, I, I, I have the electrical engineering background. Um, you could say I have expertise in supporting the development of R&D programs, research and development. I've been doing a lot of that um, for uh, DOE over the years. And then the other space that I'm really um, you know, into uh, is, is, I would say, organizational energy management, um, especially around uh, what's called the ISO 50001 Energy Management System Standard. So basically, it's, it's your roadmap. It's an ISO standard. It's a global best practice. And it's a roadmap for any organization that is looking to try to save energy. They want to cut their emissions. They want to save energy. And they're not sure where to start, what to do. ISO 50001 basically gives you those, you know, those things. It's a checklist of things that you should be doing to do that most effectively. right? So you need to have an energy team. You need to have uh, energy actions, action plans in place. You need to be... Um, you know, doing operational uh, checks of your equipment. So all kinds of things um, to make sure you have a system in place. So you're not just relying on one person, but it's part of your organizational culture is energy. It's part of every single day you're thinking about energy, just like, just like safety or, or other things that, that, you know, come to mind. Yeah, when I hear research and development, somebody who's, who's at the, the cutting edge of that, I think you're going to be uniquely positioned to you know, provide your perspective on, on where you see the industry heading, right? From a technology standpoint, from a trend standpoint, like really curious to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the R&D gives us an advantage that we're really at the cutting edge of, of really all these clean energy technologies. Um, and we use that knowledge really to advise our clients on the kinds of strategies that they should be doing, the kinds of programs they should be building, um, and so, yeah, it's really across, across the space. You know, we have folks that work in the vehicle space and they're in tune with things like, um, you know, uh, connected and automated vehicles, self-driving vehicles, right. Um, in the building space, in the manufacturing space, um, you know, so yeah, that's, that's really kind of, um, you know, the value add of energetics is, is we bring that to the table and we, we use that knowledge to really, uh, advise our clients and on a path forward. So give us give us one or two. Like what what are you guys working on there that would like most people may not be aware of from like a technology standpoint, right? Because we hear about uh, you mentioned the the self driving cars and how that ties into the entire smart cities platform. Uh, we hear a lot about IoT and all the different capabilities that these products have within the connected building space. Is there anything that you guys maybe you can't share if it's top secret, but anything that you can share with the audience that maybe they say, well, I didn't I didn't know that anyone was working on that type of technology. Uh, I don't know if anyone was. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I would say I'd put it into two. I'd, I'd look at the technologies one. I mean, one thing is is the connected and automated vehicles. We do some work with that. We actually worked with uh, you know, the U.S. Department of Energy to help them to um, estimate what the savings, energy savings might be from connected and automated vehicles, right? So uh, EIA um, does some projections over, the, over until 2040 or 2050. And so, you know, it really is uncertain in terms of what are the impacts of these vehicles going to be? Um, is it going to increase your energy savings or is it going to cause more energy usage? You know, it, it could go really, there's a number of ways it could go, right? You're going to have now, um, you know, 
folks that wouldn't be driving otherwise now getting into a connected and automated vehicle and taking a trip that may, they maybe they otherwise would not be taking. Um, on the other hand, you, you're going to have um, a lot more savings because you're going to have less uh, uh, congestion. So a lot of different ways you could look at it. Um, and so that was an analysis that we, we came up with, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago or so. Um, the other thing I'll mention is just in terms of strategies, you know, we kind of get lost in the technology sometimes, but really the strategy is so important um, and you can't forget that. And so we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, companies now getting a lot more interested in, um, you know, really climate change, right? So climate change is so important and they're thinking, okay, how do we best meet climate goals? How do we get to even net carbon zero? Um, what are the kinds of strategies and, and technologies we can implement? And so it's a mix, right? So it's, it's technologies that you could implement. Maybe some are in kind of uh, R&D stage at this point, but it's also implementing something, you know, like ISO 50001 and using that to guide your program to, to put that strategy in place. Um, and so that's, I think, a big focus for us right now is, is especially with the private sector is, is helping to formulate those strategies. And, you know, for some of the ones that have more mature programs, we, we could really help to bring it up to the next level. You mentioned climate change, and usually the other term that gets referenced there in that same conversation is, is global warming, right? And this is where I want to bring it to your, to your background, right? Because you, you do have a unique perspective, uh, global perspective, international perspective on this, because that's that's where we got to go if we want to talk about climate change and global warming. We have to look at it from a global perspective, right? If we're yeah. only doing so much here in the U.S., the rest of the world has to get on board with this. So I know this is a big question, but but where do you see that part of the conversation, where do you see energetics taking part in the conversation from like a global warming climate change perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question and it's such an important question right now for us. Um, we're in this all together. I mean, we should not forget that. Um, so, you know, we're really operating you know, beyond borders and at least for energetics, we're focused more, most on the U.S. market and the MENA market, I would say the Middle East and North Africa region. Um, especially in, in the GCC. So we have an office in Dubai, um, in the UAE, which, which I basically moved to the UAE uh, about four and a half years ago to establish. Um, so there's a couple things going on in the MENA region, I, I'd say, with, with climate change. Um, number one, it is now starting to be, it is taken seriously, right? So I, I think we're beyond the stage of, of any kind of greenwashing, which may have been you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where folks would just talk about it, but not, not actually do anything about it, right? So um, the MENA region, as in particular, um, had a problem, I would say, with, with energy subsidies. They would subsidize their energy, and uh, they accounted for 50% of all global energy subsidies back in 2011. Um, you could look at today, that figure is, is cut in half, right? So we no longer have as much as the subsidies that we had about 10 years ago, although there is still a good deal of energy subsidies and there's, there's still some reform that needs to happen. So we're talking, you know, Saudi Arabia, UAE, uh, Kuwait, Qatar, those, those kind of Gulf states, right? Um, so that is, that is uh, starting to, to, to peel away the energy subsidies. And, and from that, you're seeing now more of a business and value proposition in place for, you know, ESCOs, for example, and, and other companies that really, you know, need some kind of market case in order to do energy efficiency work, right? Um, the second thing that's happening, and, and this goes to my point that it isn't just greenwashing, it isn't just talking, is you have now programs and uh, being put in place in these countries that target renewable energy, that target energy efficiency, 
Um, and so if we're talking ESCO market, for example, you have now super ESCOs coming into being uh, in the, the GCC, in, the, in that Gulf region. So KSA, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is, is the largest market uh, in that region. It's estimated $11 billion. Um, they set up a super ESCO um, in 2017, and they've got uh, their initial, I think, uh, capitalization was, was a half a billion dollars um, you know, to basically serve the kingdom. And they have actually a royal mandate to uh, you know, look at the energy efficiency for all the government buildings. So you have a built-in market right there. Um, Abu Dhabi has launched their own Super ESCO, uh, I think in 2016, 2017. Uh, and then Dubai really led the way. They, they set up their Super ESCO in 2013, and they have a target of about 30,000 buildings they want to retrofit uh, by 2030. So there's a really a lot happening uh, in that region um, in this space. That's that's fascinating. I know we're not going to solve the problem here today, but I was really curious to get your your perspective on it because it is such a it's such a major topic right now, and it is you know a major challenge for. The yeah, world, we're right? all we're all playing our role. We're yeah. all playing our role. Absolutely, every country, and you know you know hopefully we'll we'll uh, make some some impacts over the coming years. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just try to keep my lights off as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Do, do, doing my part here. Um, so let's transition to the last part of the show here. These are the same four questions that I asked every guest that comes on. Rada, what are your daily non-negotiables? Yeah, so I think probably as I've hinted at, you know, I, I really look at things from from more than just the work perspective. So I really try not to get lost in, in just my, the work details, and I try to make sure I know what's going on in our around the rest of the world, right? Especially around the rest of the country and the rest of the world. So really, you know, reading the news, um, getting past kind of the talking heads news that, that I'm, I'm, I'm a bit frustrated with these days, but rather really looking at kind of what's going on around the world. You're frustrated also, with uh, the news network that's out there? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, just that's a bit. so surprising. Just a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, also the latest kind of clean energy trends, I would say that's really important. Um, being involved is, is something else that's so important to me, um, just outside of the office. So I'm really involved in a lot of kind of civic engagement, volunteering types of things. And so every morning it's, it's just, you know, staying on top of things, keeping the ball rolling, right? Um, a lot of emails, personal emails that I need to reply to. Um, the third thing I'd say is just, is also in, on the theme of staying connected is staying connected personally, right? So my wife, first and foremost, she's just, you know, so important just to kind of with keeping me grounded, keeping me sane keeping me happy, making sure I just don't work myself to the ground <laughs> all the time. Um, and also just doing my best to kind of connect with uh, friends and family as much as I can. Um, those would be the things I would say. Yeah, they, they call them uh, our better halves for a reason, right? Exactly. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. So what advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? You're graduating from UC Davis, bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. What advice would you give to yourself coming out of school? Yeah, so um, I guess I would I would I would look back at myself. I would, you know, I've I, I've I've really come with continual improvement. So continual improvement for me has become kind of a core part of my philosophy. I would say in my 30s and and beyond. Um, so I would look at myself and I would say, you know, hey, it's it's okay to be you know bad or okay at something as long as you're working to get better at it. You know, don't beat yourself up on you know things that maybe. Uh, don't go well at first, right? So you're always going to get better. So that's that's the first thing, and and I guess related to that is is just don't worry about things that really are out of your control, right? So really, kind of a stoic kind of philosophy. Um, I think I did too much stressing in my 20s over things that were just out of my control, and and uh, so yeah, those two things I would say. Yeah, whether you're 22 years old or any age, 
That's good advice, right? Focus on what's, I have to tell myself that every day. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, uh, honestly, getting things done. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with checking the box, um, uh, oh, sometimes to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> but, uh, you know, vacation is not the easiest thing for me. But, you know, just getting things done throughout the day, you know, we're only here for, for a certain amount of time. And, and I want to have as much of an impact as I can every day. So um, positive impact, getting things done, try to, you know, every interaction I have with anyone, just, you know, have some kind of good come out of that. And what do you want your lasting legacy to be? I say the easiest question for last. <laughs> yeah, very deep and philosophical. Um, yeah, on the personal front, I would say, you know, someone who, who works hard, someone who works hard and acts with integrity with, with you know, everyone he, you know, I, I deal with. Um, be involved, like I mentioned earlier, really be involved with, with uh, the outside world. You know, it isn't just about what we do in our so-called, so-called profession, right? Um, and, uh, I would say the third thing is really climate change. I, I really do think climate change is, is going to be the defining issue of our, of our time. And so if I could play my part, you know, small or big in that fight, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to do that. Well, I think that's a great way to, to wrap up the show here. Riddell, thanks so much for the time and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. All right, there you have it. Episode 22 with Rita Sabuni. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing that I would ask here is if you have ideas for future guests from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.